Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we discuss two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dave Gurney. I'm here as always with Joe Hilliard. And we have a great third guest this week. Would you introduce yourself, sir? I'm Tyler Krobosinski. We just call him Krobo. Yes. This is his uh, his first S- return visit. Yes, correct. number two. It gives me a sigh of relief when the guest comes back because True. there's always that feeling the first time like, did we piss them off? Yeah. Did they, did they, you know, have a bad experience? But no, Tyler, right. Tyler was pretty receptive to this. And he uh, didn't even get his gift basket. <laughs> that's right it got hung up and it, yeah, yeah remember customs yeah. i think we had some of that like right. you know international import stuff that yeah cocaine anyway <laughs> yeah by the way add that to the after hours list actually i listen uh no i watched that new netflix series with uh sofia vergara mm-hmm. um you the, talked about the the narco spinoff oh, okay all yeah. right yeah uh, also salacious yeah also salacious. in after hours last week was the buzzballs that's right. That was oh, a, that, that was, was a wild. A yeah, those are gross. It was disgusting. Those are gross. Let's do something different here on the episode. Yeah. And I got this one just for you, David. Which everyone already knows that it's either a pilsner <laughs> or a lager of some kind. This is from a brewery out of Austin that we've done twice before. Blue Owl Brewing, known mostly for their sour beers. No kidding. But today we're having Bob's Fine Pilsner. I tried as hard as I could. To come up with a movie pairing for our first movie today. <laughs> nope, this is just Bob's Non-Sour Pilsner. A classic, <laughs> clean lager with Pilsner malt brought more modern by using the balanced citrusy herbal ops, lemon drop, and Allertau Blanc. Oh. They say the flavor profile is clean, crispy, easy, and floral, which sounds like a Pilsner to me. I, I, I always appreciate it when you go out of your way to grab a beer that you think is going to appeal to me. I genuinely appreciate you, the consideration. David, if it was up to me, it would be called IPA in a movie. <laughs> so <laughs> but, having you here. Well, the thing I also love about this is it's we're returning to a brewery that we know, mm-hmm. but one that has obviously changed their MO a little bit, which all breweries do. I mean, you, you can't stay in the same lane forever, probably. Chester you have King to, did the same thing. Right. Which, you know, they were more the farmhouse end of things. With Blue Owl, it was the Kettle Sours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, for them, one of the notable things for me was they were one of the first breweries I ever had that did a sour stout that I actually liked. Oh, they did I remember. A cherry sour mm-hmm. stout. I think it was like Professor something, the name. I like that one quite a bit. There's some others that I've had. But it seems like just very recently, maybe during the pandemic, who knows, <laughs> they've decided to start opening up and do some uh, more straight ahead traditional styles. You know, here doing a Pilsner that has no sour element. I believe that beer was called Professor Black. Thank you. You're there welcome. You Krobo, how you been? I'm good. I'm good. I've been around. I got to see you play while well, open for 30 Foot Fall. Yeah, 30 Foot Fall from Austin. Yeah, they're cool. Which they were really good. Yeah. I had not, because I didn't grow up here. I wasn't part of the Texas regional punk scene, right? That's kind of where they're biggest, right? Yeah, they were real big in the late 90s. And then a couple of years ago, came back together and now they're doing their thing again. Well, I had a friend who was having his birthday, his 40th birthday, and uh, we were meeting up at Rebel Toad to have drinks. And he mentioned, oh, and by the way, a few of us are going to be going over to the 30 Foot Fall show after at the House of Rock. And I said, okay, well, I've, I've never really heard them. I would check it out. And I saw you guys were opening, and I saw that Oldie Han was opening yeah. as well. And I said, oh, that's like a pretty solid bill. Yeah. I'll, I'll head over there. So I actually left the party early. He stayed a little longer. He missed yours. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he was partying. You know, he's a 40-year-old guy now. What do you think? And here I am, <laughs> never still having seen Left-Handed Knives, your band, Tyler, 
perform. So you, you got to see it. I know they're really good. I'm I th- ready. Now I've seen finally th- that was a good legit set that I saw. It was an electric set. I saw them do like their one and only acoustic oh, yeah. set <laughs> before that, which was good. But it, it, definitely the songs come alive with the electric accompaniment. Right. It, it was really good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get into the film this week. Did you just say, David, that you've got something there, but when you add electricity, <laughs> that's oh, now that's <laughs> that's a set. <laughs> Joe, well, Five years look in, at baby. that. Stuck the landing. Uh, we're returning to a screenwriter who we have enjoyed in the past. Actually, right fairly early on. Tully. In the po- podcast. I feel like that's got to be in the single digit episodes, right? Episode seven. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Wow. All right. Along, which, along with Juno. Which was her last uh, feature, I think, to be made and, and released. This is Diablo Cody, of course. Um, her film Tully. She's also known for Juno. Jennifer's Body. Mm-hmm. Well, here she has a film called Lisa Frankenstein. Already, you think on the title alone, this like Lisa Frank reference along with Frankenstein coming together. And appropriately enough, this is a horror comedy set in the 80s. 1989 is when the film is set. Mm -hmm. Before I forget, though, I want to make sure I mention that this is the directorial debut of Zelda Williams, Mm -hmm. the daughter of Robin Williams, who... Near and dear to my heart. I love I love Robin Williams. I have such great affection for him. So it was exciting to see like, okay, his his offspring are now putting things into the world. And who I think is tearing up like a short films and commercials. And so for her first feature debut, she got a lot to play with here. Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, I it's kind of crazy to see somebody come out of the gate with something this uh wildly dark, I would say, in terms of its uh, tone. The film here, obviously, a riff on Frankenstein, where you have a young woman named Lisa Swallows. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> Diablo Cody is not one for subtlety. No. She, well, she has a version of subtlety. We'll get into that. Like She makes some references, pop culture-wise, that I think are deep-cut references at times. But if you're there and you already know it, they're pretty obvious, right? Let, let's put it that way. But Lisa Swallows, lonely girl who is stepsister and stepdaughter within a blended family to a mother and sister who are just much more bubbly and vivacious than her. She's got a little bit of kind of a goth precociousness to her. She loves hanging out in the cemetery. And lo and behold, after a series of strange events at a party that she attends, she ends up in that cemetery. It's a lightning storm. And she ends up having this kind of intense metaphysical connection with this uh, buried teenage boy. Mm -hmm. Whose face appears at the top of the headstone. You see that sometimes, like a a sculpture. statue, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she likes to sit under it and dream about what this boy could be. That's right. And so in this moment of connection that they have, uh, facilitated by lightning, they uh, reawaken his body, essentially. And he ends up back at the house first. She sees him as a threat. Kind of more zombie than Frankenstein in a certain sense. Yeah. But we do get to the Frankenstein bit when it becomes apparent that he's lacking some bits. He's lost an ear in the process of mm-hmm. decomposition. He's a lost a hand. And uh, his, and uh, the, <laughs> his wiener. And later on, yes, we, th- which we don't know about until much later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they strike up a relationship. First seems... Like she's treating it more like a friendship, but where she's helping him kind of reconstruct himself as they go on a series of murders Mm -hmm. to be able to harvest those body parts that they need. Interestingly, murdering folks that have wronged Lisa in one way or another. That's right. Including a guy that got a little too handsy at a party. <laughs> and her <laughs> wicked stepmother, so to speak, played by... Carla Gugino? Yeah. Gugino? 
Most know most kids my age, my kids' age, know her as the mom in Spy Kids. Oh, oh. that's right, that's right. She's been in a bunch of the um, nightmare series on Netflix. That's yes. right, the yeah. um, American uh, no. Mike uh, Flanagan series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She, so the stuff that the we were talking about Hill. back yeah. and yes, exactly. And the and oh gosh, the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, that was the one that There's was this a couple last others, year. and she's been in all of them. Great, funny, evil stepmom character yeah. in in this film. So what did you guys think? I mean, this riff on Frankenstein slash zombie films slash teenage monster films. Did this one work for you? Like the period, the setting, eighty nine. Did that feel gimmicky or did that feel like it was fine i was worried it was going to feel gimmicky for me i was expecting like some cringe moments and Mm -hmm. i really don't think that that happened i think it was done well they leaned into the cringe of the era but in a knowing way right in a way that did it yeah i've seen other movies try to do this kind of thing similarly and even like series like stranger things that Uh, sometimes i think jump the shark a little bit but i don't really think that this did i agree but it's funny because i have to check myself i knew before this film that diablo cody is dialed into like almost the same kind of aesthetic universe as I am, at oh, least okay. in terms of, I mean, music-wise. I mean, look, the needle drops in this film, mm-hmm. Jesus and Mary Chain, Head On, is a favorite of mine. I mean, I'm I'm going to love that song no matter when I hear it. Wave of Mutilation from the Pixies, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? Front to back, even uh, When in Rome, The Promise, yeah. it, it is a great song. Saw that, them here locally as mm-hmm. a high schooler. And I saw them here just a few years back when they were opening for Culture Club. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Jennifer's body? Now, let me just make sure you understand I'm talking about the film. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Now, Jennifer's body was a miss for me when it came out. Mm-hmm. But in some reviews and things I've read, you know, it's called a cult classic. The cult classicness was of it. Was that Megan Fox? Megan yeah. Fox. Yes. Uh, at the height of her post You know, it's funny. I don't remember it. Well, I thought about rewatching it I did too. for this. But I didn't get the time to do it. Well, I remember thinking it was kind of funny in parts, but wasn't a full success. I agree. And I love Juno. I mean, and that's where Diablo Cody kind of burst onto the scene as the screenwriter of that film. Did she win the Oscar for that? She did. Did either of you guys go to see this at the Alamo Draft House locally? I'm wondering. Joe did. I did, but, but I didn't see the... The pre-show. No. Did I, you have... I, no, see? I went... So the pre-show was actually great for this one because they had, and I remembered it from when I was a kid, the um, Sports Illustrated sneaker phone uh, subscription commercial. They have the sneaker phone as one of the little joke gag props uh, that that they bring in there. Had you ever seen that Walkman that's like the triangular Walkman that she's wearing on her hip? With like a shoulder sling. This is when I had the, the yellow. I had the yellow Sony Sports. Well, I remember the Sports with, line that, that had the gasket and it clamped yes. shut. Yeah, exactly. That, exactly. You could swim with that thing, mm-hmm. right? Did you? Did you used to do laughs with? The- Why would I ever do that? <laughs> Why would you wear your Walkman into the pool? It's just going to cause drag. I don't know, but I love the little touches. I guess what you know to go to go back hey, to the original. Anytime point. the cure is a punchline for a oh. joke, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, Galaxy 500 too. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, there there were just so many song choices in here that i was enjoying um and visual again like the wardrobe the style the fashion the hairstyles i thought it was all really well done funny enough you brought up stranger things we have the dad character right, right. that's the yeah. same dad from stranger things Is that, that will's dad in stranger things i think things? so yeah. yeah plays the same character basically yeah, exactly almost. i think that's the only character he can play yeah <laughs> get that <laughs> Get the dad. <laughs> we're, we're doing an 80s period piece with a dad. Get him. Get him. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it exceeded my expectations. My, oh, good. Ex- my expectations were low. Okay. The only thing interesting about that trailer is Diablo Cody's name, mm-hmm. which I was alluding to. Ha- hadn't 
wowed me since Juno, and yes, she did win the Oscar for Juno in 2008. I thought you liked Tully pretty well. Right? It was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fine. It's not as okay. good, and this neither is as good, but I guess I'm going to put it the best, the, the, the most enjoyable of the three. And it's not even a Diablo Cody film. She just wrote the screenplay. It's, you know, we're, oh, it's her. I don't want to short sight the it's, directors I mean, here. I think you do, especially with a... The dialogue here for this is so critical for what this the, – the, the lines, the way the lines are written. Like I get the feeling with Diablo Cody films, these are projects where the actors are holding very fast to what's on the page. I imagine. Mm-hmm. So many funny little lines in there. you got to say it just like Tarantino's words and Kevin Smith's words. Don't deviate. Yes. Yeah. The exception is the Sprouse. Yeah. Boy. Who did not have who grunts yes, and, yes. and moans and I was no, reading that he, he all he had was direction. Any of the grunts and moans were kind of his to to come up with. <laughs> okay, she paid for him to go to mime school. Wow, yeah, yeah. it was a silent film performance yeah, in yeah. many ways. They, did, they said they did a lot of study on that, and he really enjoyed it. And I actually thought he did a good job being expressive, and he conveys what he's. I would agree. Trying to, trying to say, did you guys know him from other stuff? I never watched Riverdale. I think that's like I never uh, seen that the either. sweet People. life of Zach and Cody. Hit, I didn't hit watch my that. kids at, at a okay. point, so I knew him there, and then. He was the little boy. He and his twin brother were the little boy and Big Daddy. Yeah, that's where I know him most from. See, I don't even. I haven't even seen that one. Oh, Strangely okay. enough, it's, it's one of okay. the few Sandler films that I, I never. You'll be all I right. I can skip it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was funny. So for me, I had no point of reference with this guy, but I was impressed. I thought he did a really nice job, and and there is this kind of interest in silent film in here, right? There's that sequence, the dream sequence, mm-hmm. kind of that they do with where she connects in the graveyard that night and there's this kind of mystical thing going on is done in the style of, I mean, they reference Pabst, the, the German silent director, mm-hmm. right? In connection to Pabst Blue Ribbon. Right. I almost thought you were going to bring out a rogue PBR or something. No, not Joe, today. We've done that before. PBR is the big the uh, yeah. beer that they're mm-hmm. kind of name checking throughout the teen party sequence of the film is that does that ring true for 1989? I I'm think older it's, than you it guys. It was a beer that was available. It was in 89. Where was this set? Was it, did they say where they are in the country? I don't recall. It might be California. Not sure either. In any case, I mean, I feel like. In Maine, at least what I remember, it would have much more likely been Budweiser or Miller Lite or something. But I know there are areas of the country where it's different, like Pennsylvania, Rolling Rock would probably mm-hmm. be the beer that everybody was drinking. Down here, maybe Lone Star would, would have been the beer. What? Lisa Frankenstein is set in a fictional American town called Anytown. <laughs> okay, oh. there you go. Well, PBR is kind of like a good broad, like it's Midwestern. But I feel like it hits enough of the country that you can feel vaguely like, oh, the kids would have had that. In 89, when I'm drinking for the first time in late high school, it's Miller Genuine Draft. That's all I remember. MGD. MGD. Really? And then when I got to college in 1991, we were getting 12s and cases of Keystone Light, Bud Light, you know, the, yeah. the, the cheapies. I mean, if I was in high school, it was whatever we could get. Yeah, there was right. a lot of Fair. being picky. Right. Watered so- down vodka right. from the bottle that you had watered <laughs> yeah. down the oh previous time you got yeah. vodka out of it. Wow. So, Sorry, Judge Head. You know, I, I hear some of what you're saying there, Joe. I was really impressed with this film. And I I had, I think, probably slightly higher expectations than you did going in, if only because I did enjoy Tully so much. And she did Young Adult, too, right? That was hers? I think so. Yeah. Even beyond Juno, I've had a couple of her films really hit me hard and feel like, again, Jennifer's Body was not an unmitigated sort of success in my mind Mm -hmm. had some good parts but wasn't was a little less even this one i feel like comes closer to the the good material i mean i think that this one is firing mostly on all cylinders 
And in part because of the quality of the dialogue, I think there's so many great lines in there. You know, the Lisa character and the monster. I mean, what? What? I'm forgetting his name. What? Sprouse. Well, that boy. Yeah, that's the. Oh, oh, the monster. Yeah. So the creature. The creature. Yeah. They have this relationship that gets built through no dialogue with from him, mm-hmm. but it's like her talking at him, and she even makes that like great little like I love our conversations mm-hmm. at the end of one of these like exchanges that exchanges that she's having with him. Um, it's, it, I thought that was like the dryness, the deadpan delivery of some of the, this stuff. Um, Carla Gugino, like I said, did a fantastic job. The dynamic of the family was weird and off-putting, but also kind of relatably dysfunctional. Like I know mixed families like this that have these kind of dynamics at play. And it also fits into the fairy tale framework of the whole thing, right? The evil stepmother and the... And so deep with the kind of the the references to Paps and Melies, right? The the uh, mm-hmm. trip to the moon. We keep seeing that right. image of the moon with the rocket crashed into it, and it's not hitting you over the head and being like, "You must be a film nerd to enjoy this film." But it's putting enough there that if you are a film nerd like I am, I'm enjoying myself and I'm snickering every time I kind of pick up you know whatever it happens to be. Plus, last thing I'll say, like reference wise, that I loved. They're, they return to this Kokomo joke that she's really turned on by the song Kokomo by the Beach mm-hmm. Boys, which is, you know, as a big Beach Boys fan, one of my least favorite Beach I, Boys I, I songs. And what, one of those things, it's like, it's funny to me that that is That's how so one. many people know it. But in 1989, that was what it was they huge. were. Oh, it was funny. It was a yeah. huge hit. So anyway. Going back to the writing, I, I thought that the jokes were smart. And that's what I appreciated from it. it I mean, there's elements of like, I guess, low hanging fruit, but... In a way that didn't feel like, like you're saying, like didn't beat me over the head with yeah. it. I, I really enjoyed it, and I liked some of the other pop culture. She says, "Janet, uh, damn it, Janet!" From <laughs> yes. Rocky Horror Picture mm-hmm. Show. Absolutely. I don't know. I just got Another like point of feelings of like sure. death becomes her. Yeah. Kind of throughout there yeah. when the creature is putting on his wardrobe for the first time. She's like, "That's perfect." He has like the classic Frankenstein like <laughs> green suit yeah. with yeah. Right. pants and everything. And I just I thought that stuff was done. Yeah. If you know what to be looking for, you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so much fun to to see all the little like moments that they're kind of gesturing to in it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It could have been better. A lot better here and there. I think that for me, it's really, it doesn't tie together the full arc of, if there is a full arc for Lisa. Mm -hmm. Okay. I enjoyed that it rides the RPG 13 line very, very hard. Oh my God. I honestly, a couple times I turned it because we did. I went with my daughters who were 11 and 14. Yeah. Almost 12, but 11. And the 11 year old, there was a point where I was like, this is like pushing it harder than most PG 13 does. Not language wise. They were smart. They don't pepper in a lot of F's and, you know, there's not a lot of that, Mm -hmm. but they do and they they only get one or two and they ride it just to the edge Mm -hmm. of the sexuality. Like they pull back. There is the groping scene, like, which is a very, overt groping that's yeah. going on you know assaulting uh that, that's going on but then you know later they they never show like actual again parts coming out although shadows of parts yeah. come up right <laughs> i read that uh that sequence was supposed to be much more and have a you see the anatomy fly through the air. I bet there'll like, probably wanna, be a director's cut on. <laughs> yeah, probably. She said that she wanted to do a, a space director's Odyssey <laughs> reference right there. <laughs> oh, that's but good. But it, it was too it, expensive. It's the same shape. It makes sense. <laughs> director's oh cut. God. Very funny. 
One name that hasn't come up in our conversation that I thought might, and I'm going to throw it out there, Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. Did, did you guys yes. feel like... Yeah. Shadows of. Or the, even when he's cutting the ear off, I feel like the, the even the sounds of the scissors. Yes, and like, like it's Edward very much like the first time you see him cut the hair. It's very Edward Scissorhands-esque. Right. The problem, though, is that <laughs> Edward Scissorhands is near perfect. Right. And, <laughs> and you have so much empathy uh, and compassion for Edward in that film. It, yeah. It's set up to be so... Here, with the darker content, yeah. uh, her backstory, the mother, her mother, how how she was killed, that she was killed. And right. We haven't even talked about the traumatic insight, which I've seen prior, some, prior to. Yeah. Some folks have taken issue with how lightly that's treated. Like she's had this traumatic. She's she's got PTSD. I yeah, mean, of course. Her mother was she murdered basically it. in the other room. She was overhearing it. She uh-huh. was there for the attack and the and the break in. And she flees, and then she hears right. the mother being killed from the other room. And people are even speculating that maybe she was the one who killed her other Sure. Kid. Because I mean, she's the weirdo. That's at the yeah. beginning. She's the PTSD, depressive weirdo. I think all those things are there to justify later why she's okay with any of it. I mean, oh, understood. the fact that she sews for her job and sure. little things like that they're peppering at the sure. beginning. I mean, I guess they do take it lightly, but... It's a film about a creature. When, oh, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> so, it's... But she's in love with another boy. While she's sitting on the grave side before yeah. the creature comes to life, she whispers or says the words, I wish I was with you. Mm-hmm. What she means is, I wish I was dead. Right. Yeah. And what he thinks she means is, I wish I was with you. Yeah. So he comes out in love with her, and she likes another boy. It's not until later in the film that they kind of spark right. up the, the thing. So the motivation for getting the body parts are not to complete the boy monster that I'm in love with, but rather to seek revenge for these people. Not not seek revenge, but we'll kill two birds with one yeah, stone. Right. So that motivation was a little bit lacking as to why we're doing all of this outside of you accidentally get this guy because a lightning storm occurred. Okay, right. fine. So sh- she dies. I mean, yeah. which I like the twist of it. And then, you know, of course, we see... That he, the monster, the creature, has brought her back to life so mm-hmm. that they can actually be together. <laughs> I enjoyed the film. Yeah. I was hoping for an... Even though you're dealing with all of this, the, the 80s pastiche, yeah. the, you know, the sly references and dialogue, the, I was hoping for an elevated thing... The way that I feel that Juno is. I think this. Is, I think this might be one that you will come back to and see. You may be right. I've had that thought as many a times. Stronger film than you did initially because I, for, for the following reasons. I think that there's a lot of smart. I think what Tyler said. There's a lot of smart dialogue here. The way it's written. The way the characters are, are sort of constructed. The the sort of breadcrumbs you're given. She's a seamstress. Yes, mm-hmm. she does the. You know, she has this traumatic event. Like so, she's going to have this kind of proclivity for aberrant behavior or she's going to have these different so all of that stuff gets laid out in a way that to me feels actually very i mean this is a screenwriter's film and mm-hmm. that's why and when i see a diablo cody film i kind of expect that to an extent i think zelda williams brings the game strong enough to convey what she's doing and she was given a tall order because again like you're working with references to silent cinema you're working with references to 80s teen comedies mm-hmm. you're working with various Comedy, horror properties horror. fairy yeah. tales mm-hmm. tim burton i mean Look at the mix of elements. When you think about all the balls that they're juggling, that it comes across as well as it does, I think is actually a pretty big feat. And to be trying to do all those things, and it still seemed like something that was original. Yeah. I I mean, I know references to so many things, but 
but yeah, it's still yeah, it's its I, own I'm thing. with you. I'm with yeah. you. We yeah. haven't. I mean, again, I don't want to. I feel like we've had a rich discussion here, but this is a very feminist film. I mean, and I'm and I think in as a good would way, it, you expect a Diablo Cody's film to be. Absolutely, this is a pro women. Like you know, again, her taking out this guy who had sexually assaulted her in in this matter of fact way taking out this guy who's sort of, you know, running roughshod over her. It's over. It's over the top. It's exaggerated. It's it, But that it's a dark satire. To me, this is like dark feminist satire of an ilk that I rarely see. And, I, and so to me, I'm excited when I see something that's this pitch black kind of and with this pointed jab at patriarchy, and I'm I'm going to be there for it. To that, like it normalizes. I think. I mean, I'm not none of us are female, but I, from what I understand, like it seems like it wouldn't be normalizing femininity in a movie that you don't see very much. Like even just something as simple, and she's like, "I got to change my pad, and you got to go do this." Yeah, that's like, right. I was that's like, right. "Okay, you don't you don't hear or see that, no. you know?" And and you know, maybe not too long ago, people would have been like scoffing at something, yeah. but, but I don't think that's the case. And I think that that's a this good ties thing. directly into our after hours conversation last week about the reaction I had to "Are You There, God?" It's me, Margaret. <laughs> A film where menstruation and your first period is so critical to, is the plot. I mean, of the film is waiting, 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 normalizing all of that. You know what I mean? It, I'm never not a fan of it because these are all patriarchal opinions that we have. Yeah. Keep quiet about that thing <laughs> that happens every month. That makes no sense. Yeah. I believe two things will, one of two things will happen because this did not do way, well, very well at the box office this first It, ca- it kind of did low end of expectations. From what I understand, nothing yeah. did this weekend. No, no right. it was a terror. Yeah. It was the Super worst Bowl. weekend, I think, worst Super, Super Bowl, Bowl weekend yeah. in history. Weekend. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And, you know, again, the offerings weren't very strong. No, Argyle kind of had soft stuff going last yeah. week. And then, yeah. My daughter, 18, intends on seeing it really wants to see it just didn't get there this weekend and she will get there so i'm expecting that there will be a word of mouth and we'll see an uptick maybe or it will find its audience in the you future know, the way I, that jennifer's body did the one other film that i was thinking of as i watched this it felt like bottoms like it, it, mm. a little different but to me did you see bottoms no I this was a, a teen comedy from the summer that had 80s vibes to it. it wasn't set in the 80s no though, but it, but they're definitely like referencing 80s teen comedy well i mean to, to have football be such a preeminent part of the high school experience is not a 2024 experience no. in most of the country right, right so the way that it was back then yeah so there was some of that like overlap in terms of like the pitch black kind of comedy mm-hmm. that it was go that it was reaching for i mean especially where bottoms ends up right with this massacre on the, on the yeah on now bottoms story. is worth your time yeah it Tyler, is, y'all it will, is. i think you and your wife so, and it's funny will it, enjoy it do you want to fit this in with no hold shoot the jennifer lawrence no um no hard no feelings. feelings there's this interesting like push towards like the raunchier Ladies. darker but more w- female driven comedy that I'm here for. Like all of these films that I'm mentioning Joyride. here, Joyride. And the conversation right? we had during it where Bridesmaids, you know, yes. was this big I mean, revelation. These are great, funny films that are taking on things that, you know, they, they may not be like the most like earth shaking, at least in terms of what they're recognizing, but still doing it in a comedy context that we haven't seen it done in so much. And it is, it feels fresh to me. I'm, I'm loving these films. I just made like a, a connection there trend wise. Yeah. We're going to pick that up in future episodes. See okay. if it's, see if it maintains. I, I know what you and I like joyride. 
Our yes. guest Harold that week did not. He was less so. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. saw some good elements there, though. He even appreciated. I'm saying wait to streaming on this one. That's fair, and I can tell you're you're uh, not as enthusiastic. I think that this is one that I would encourage people to see. In the yeah, theater. I think. I mean. I'm a teacher. People don't know. I will be encouraging my students to see it if they ask me about nice. it. I think that they will enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, I want to ask about that. If only for the After Mary Show. I mean, come on. It's funny. She really is in that. Uh, she being Diablo Cody really is in that pantheon of like filmmakers with encyclopedic knowledge of film and literature and popular culture. Right. You know, like a Tarantino. I feel clean and refreshed when I see it with Diablo Cody, whereas Tarantino, I always feel a little dirty after. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to ride the your Tarantino uh, drop-off that's occurring as his last quote-unquote film comes out. I bet in I'm going to love it. I bet I'm going to love it. I the, love the movie Once critic. Upon a Time It's in called Hollywood. The Movie yeah, Critic. Know, so. right? <laughs> well, what did you guys think of this Bob's Fine Pilsner? It was a 4.5 ABV from Blue Owl Brewing out of Austin, Texas. You said they specialize in sours? Yeah. They were a sour brewery a when sour it opened only up. for a This long is the time. most sour Pilsner I've ever had. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, not in a bad way. I okay. like this is not. It does have a. Usual... Th- it has a weird thud in it that yeah. I'm not saying is bad, but I would expect maybe the pilsner from Blue Owl to be a little. I different. mean, I take it as the it's the hop and uh, the hops there that has like this kind of bitter, but I I do think it has almost like a hint of sourness. I think that may be coming from there's the lemon drop hops, mm-hmm. which is supposed to, as many hops do, have a citrusy element, right. but that one leans towards like a lemon citrusy. And I feel like that's maybe what we're getting a, a hint sour. of there. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you feel like, oh, the sourness of a lemon is lurking back there. I'm loving it. I, I mean, know, to yeah. me, this is anytime I get my hands on a light, crisp beer that has a slight different flavor profile to it, that's exciting because that means one more piece of the arsenal that I can pull out when I need that refreshment. Today is Super Bowl Sunday as yeah. we're recording. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big football guy. Everybody, you know, anybody who listens to beer in a movie knows that we're not really sports guys. No. But I will have the Super Bowl on. This would be a perfect beer to have throughout the Super Bowl. Well, I'm going to send you home with at least one. Oh, thank you. What'd you think, Tyler? Yeah, no, I enjoy it. People who know me know that I'm not really too picky when it comes to a lot of anything with alcoholic content. The fru <laughs> The fru fru. Yeah. What is your go to, though? Like, if you're, uh, when you're at House of Rock and you're playing a show, are you getting. Uh, okay. Lone Stars? Uh, are you getting... If I'm playing a show specifically, we mentioned it already, but I probably am getting a Pabst Blue Ribbon or Lone Star. Yeah, those okay. are going to be my go-tos. Because it's ABV and you can measure it out? And because it's... Well, no, because it's low in ABV. Right. That's and what I, I mean. Can, I can... It's I can hydrate. That's okay. right. You're not, you're not, right, exactly. You're thirsty, so you're going to be drinking a lot of it. You don't want something that's going to end up adding up to right. something crazy. But yeah. on a normal, outside of a performance setting, I mean, I, I generally gravitate towards IPAs. Okay. Let me ask you a question that I think I know the answer to. If you're on stage and, and perspiring mm-hmm. and drinking, mm-hmm. is that keeping the alcohol level even more in check? I don't know, because a lot of drinking happens beforehand. I see. <laughs> right. You're sweating out this stuff. Okay, yeah, exactly. All right, well, when we get back, it's another, it feels like it's Frankenstein. Season. I know, we we have just been having, and, you know, coming off of All Horror October, we've really, it's been It was just a, a few episodes ago, it was Bride of Frankenstein yeah. and Poor Things, and here we are with two more Frankenstein with female leads yeah. when we come back. We're back. All right. 
this we, is going to be a really interesting, I think, I, half of we've an episode. Been talking about this film, like in interesting ways, yeah. like for the la- and partly because we've been doing these Frankenstein films, so it kind of like comes up as this point of conversation. So glad we're going to finally tackle it. But before we get there, Joe, we we need to get beer in our glasses. And you've brought us another exciting option. I know this is a return visit for us to Fair State Brewing Cooperative, Mm -hmm. their Mirror Universe, which is billed as a hazy IPA. And uh, this hazy IPA is 7.0 ABV. Great. Uh, They describe it as a hazy IPA brewed with oats, wheat, barley, and too many hops. So it's interesting. They're bringing in oats and wheat, which tend to make beers a little sweeter creamier almost uh we'll, we'll see if that comes through i mean with a hazy that would make sense we'd want that kind of like thick rich body so maybe that's going to help with that i just cracked it up it says the beer's namesake the mirror universe is a parallel universe in which the plots of several star trek episodes take oh, place okay. okay so this is a star referencing trek a reference. star trek thing i like it because the film we're about to talk about <sighs> mirror universe could somehow apply because things are happening in this film that <laughs> it doesn't feel like our world i, I, I haven't mean there's seen in a really long time i don't know what world you're living in but <laughs> this, this is like a saturday night i'm, not in, regular a, saturday I'm night. not in a rock band <laughs> the beer's pouring nice and hazy oh it sure is the nose on it this very thing, citrusy, yeah. citrusy tropical all right little, little oh, yeah, dank very good. juicy exciting so, stuff. ipa you asked for it <laughs> crobo here it is uh we are talking about frankenhooker okay i didn't <laughs> first of all directed by frank hennenlauter who is known in horror circles especially like basket case fun horror circle circles low, low budget very schlocky schlocky yeah. comedy driven horror i have to amend a story that i've told at least once on here and at least once in after hours because this film came out in 1990 i thought it had come out a little earlier when i was working at a video store i don't think i was you weren't working in 90 i don't all? think i was okay but I know that I had access to more than one of the video cassettes because when this VHS video cassette came out, it was the first time I'd ever seen it. There was a button you can push on the cassette box, and every time you pushed it, Frankenhooker said, Want a date? Want a date? <laughs> and so I took one of those, I stole it out of the box, and we did a prank with a friend, and he couldn't turn it off and couldn't find it, and it was hilarious. But that being said, with access to the video, I have never seen this movie before, but want a date? Want a date? Has become vernacular in me and my high school friends that I still hang out with. We talk about Frankenhooker, and... Have any a- of them seen it? Okay, so Sean, our guest, sometimes, had seen about half Once Upon a Time. How could you ever stop this movie once you started? You need to see this movie. In a conversation (laughs) that we would maybe normally hold till after hours, it was either this or Weird Science, Mm -hmm. which is now, David, twice in two female Frankenstein pairings that we didn't choose Weird Science. We'll we'll, we'll have to do Weird Science when we do... uh, Uh, Some John Hughes thing. Or or Steven Seagal. Please bring me back for that one. Steven Seagal? Yeah. Well, you're not the first... Ethan, our guest that yeah. was on for poor well, things, said, "Bring me back for weird science." Yeah, I can quote the entire ones. movie. We but may then, need to do a yeah group. But then episode. David lied to Tyler and I and said only one has the Criterion you know treatment. Well, no, I said only one is on Criterion <laughs> Channel. That- okay, I thought you meant that this has gotten the full Criterion disc distribution, uh-huh. and it has not. <laughs> But it did appear on the Criterion channel, and all of a sudden, the scales tipped, and here we are finally watching Frankenstein. Well, I think it's wild that when I looked it up to see, okay, how can I watch these two things, that 
the first viewing option that came up when I looked up Frankenhooker was Criterion Channel. Right. Versus <laughs> when I went to look up, uh, you know, uh, Weird Science, I think it was a rental on Apple or whatever. But w- whatever the case is, it's, it stood out to me. I felt I had to share that bit of information. That that was I'm silly. glad we landed on it. I, I probably wouldn't have watched it otherwise. <laughs> okay, let me ask you this. Will you watch it again in the right circumstances? Oh, most definitely. Fucking this is going to yeah, be I something will. I'll show to my kids when the, they're okay. 15. <laughs> Frankenhooker <laughs> is maybe, David, the perfect party movie. Because... <laughs> for the right kind of party. For the right kind of party. Okay, <laughs> let me just talk about the very opening scene. It is a big fake rubber brain presented as a real human brain with an eyeball, like a cyclops eyeball in the front attached inside the brain. Right. And our uh, lead here, Jeffrey Franken, get it? <laughs> uh, played horribly by uh, James Oh, Lawrence. I was going to... I- I kind of like his approach. I mean, <laughs> it gets worse and worse. I, I kind of agree with that. <laughs> this is the most wait, stiff thing. Uh, I, it's not, it's not yeah. even just stiff. It's just, okay, we'll get there. Okay. It, he reminds me of the guy, I don't know the guy, the actor's name, but in Clerks who plays Randall. If you gave him a role where you were like, you got to really emote and do something. And like right. he's still like kind of just delivering the lines in a flat way, but doing it at this weird. I appreciated it for the character. It's silly. It works for the silliness. I'm going to check myself because this plot synopsis could take 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. let me just get real quick. Um, he is, what did he call himself? He is a. Sleazemeister. Um, that's what he says. <laughs> oh, no, that's not what he says. No, no what, the character uh, calls himself like a. a bioelectrical sh- mechanic oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. Right. Bioelectrical. Right. Biomedical. He's not a doctor, but he dabbles, you know, and yeah. he, uh, his Well, little, he's been kicked out of three medical schools. That's right. Yeah. And what he likes to do is kind of like poor things, put things together yes. that don't exactly yep. make sense. Very and similar. this is a brain with an eyeball. And in order to get this thing finally moving, he takes a scalpel <laughs> and inter, like, completely with no do it here or here or here nail hammers it into the brain. And then the brain starts eyeballing and yeah. the, starts moving and the brain's moving. <laughs> Okay, so that's when we learned that he likes to do Frankenstein shit. Yeah. And that's the, actually referencing a movie from 62 called oh. the, the Brain That Wouldn't Die. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, see, this thing is replete. See, Hannon Lauder is just like he's, Cody with uh, He's working next level. He's yeah. working above my level. <laughs> I love certainly. it. I love it. His yeah. wife, Lisa, sadly, at a birthday party, gets mowed over by a remote control that he <laughs> made. Lawnmower. Uh, lawn yeah. tiller. Like oh, a, yeah, yes, right. Yeah. It's really going to tear you up. <laughs> Cut to the news scene, the news footage of the scene that is, you know, never be on the news, just sheets covered and draped in blood, a foot laying over here. Anyway, turns out he has a uh, a big stand-up uh, freezer filled with estrogen-based... <laughs> Fluid. Uh, it's purple, right? I'm like, right. oh, of course. You put you you put the body parts in the purple liquid. It will right. keep them. Uh- <laughs> so he saves the head of his lovely now uh-huh. dead wife. Then gets the idea after drilling into his own head for yes. some kind of pressure release. Uh, well, it's it's a practice. I, I want to so trepanation. Yeah, self trepanation. It's like drilling into. One skull, which is something that people Happens. do. It's like, but yeah, yeah. And if you to can touch this part of the brain or whatever. Okay, anyway, yeah. <laughs> finally, he finds a pimp, Zorro, to give him six, seven, eight, nine ladies at a private party where then he... Bada boom, bada bang. Yeah, he <laughs> kills them all, puts all of But the, not on purpose. I, know, I mean, no. he, he does bring that. the super crack. Yes. He does bring super crack with him. And let's, you know, he, he knows it's going to make him explode. I was but trying he, to keep the plot a little more... Uh, <laughs> 
I didn't even want to talk about this super crack. Is super crack. Right. Can't talk about Frank and Hooker without talking about super crack. <laughs> okay, so he goes down to find hookers where he sees crack and sees that crack is taking over, killing America. So he says, I'll do it faster and make super crack. But whenever he makes the super crack and tests it on a gerbil the, or a, a, a <laughs> guinea, guinea pig, pig. It, it blows up. So these girls, these hookers that now he's, that he's trying to find and measuring their thighs and breasts and with calipers and to find the perfect oh pieces. Oh my god, that montage sequence where he's measuring all the parts is just so freaking ridiculous. The, I was laughing so hard. It took hard. me so, like, all, all I could think about was hard bodies, porkies, like these um, mm. ex- exploitation it's nudity so movies. grotesque, though, because they're all painted green, and bl- once the parts get dismembered, and yeah. all that. Oh so he, he puts all the parts in the cooler, uh, and then puts the perfect lady together with yeah. this one's leg and that one's arm and yeah. and, and and his wife's they, head. They're wild. She becomes super Frank and crack orgy. Whatever. What do we mm. call that sequence? It was a super crack orgy. That was the most manic like five minutes of cinema that I have experienced in the last I don't know year or two. I it, what the heck was going on there? So Ken and Lauder for, was something for but, them to get the the R rating. They had to cut down exploding hookers from seven to six. <laughs> that was the thing that kept them. <laughs> you can have six. We'll give you a half dozen. You go over that. Okay, so I'm going to say this. No way. The movie is bad. Okay? Comma, but I'll give it to you guys. Because like, <laughs> Joe will I say can, nothing more no, than No, I can bad. tell where we're going with this one. I think. So we talked about Lisa Frankenstein being a, a, a feminist movie. Uh, this is the opposite. Right. Uh, this was made for... Guys 16 year old boys to, see to be like yes and, okay and yeah. I think women yes. being chopped up by a tiller right but i do think it has I, I think it's not as bad as just a straight up retrograde like uh you know typical misogynist right. tale my wife actually really enjoyed it good i'm glad yeah. to hear my wife that's did as well funny I, that's interesting well no because look these aren't like he's clearly he's abusing the power he should not be right i mean this is like the frankenstein story he's He's playing God. He's gone way too far. I mean, he and he's punished in the end. He, Wait, hold on, but with the goal of getting his wife back. Yes, not no, to say has, that it justifies. It's the Frankenstein story. I yes. mean, he's he's very much driven by pure motives. Mm-hmm. But well, except a, for the murders that he's going to have to commit well, pu- to but get pure the, motives. He and he even talks about <laughs> yes, in, in, a, in very hamfisted in one dialogue. of many. Oh, I'm talking but if to, I, Right. I, I, you know, I'm doing it to bring her back. So I have to, you know, I don't know. talking to nobody, but except for us, he, there is a lot of exposition, externalizing mm-hmm. inner monologue through just character speaking a lot. I mean, that is one of the recurring things right. that goes on, which again, if you don't like this guy's acting, you may find totally grating. I thought it was hilarious because it is this very funny performance that he's giving throughout the film. And it is such heavy dialogue in this way. It was I, I got a kick I out mean, of it. I mean, I think it fit lock and step with every other element of yeah. the movie. His performance was what it is, but it they didn't, didn't, didn't have, pull me out of it. Yeah. They didn't have mind money to pay great actors. Right. But you can see that they had a budget for uh, special effects. Yeah. But it's yeah. just not enough money. So what I thought was interesting about the special effects is that. I think just enough. It's just mannequin pieces. Well, the, 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 only, yeah. the only scene that CGI is when. 
the like Danny DeVito looking storm. head is like talking that's disembodied. Yeah. Yeah. That is the only CGI like looking thing. Like it looks seems like most of the budget went to that and everything else was mannequins yeah. from department stores. Right, because so he's got all these body parts of all these women that have been just... Those those actresses though do a really good job of so, getting into the position of the mannequin, that. right? That was actually I was really impressed by and so was my wife. Is the editing on it on those elements yeah. was really good. Yeah, yeah. For like I've seen other B movies that Some are kind of like better this. than others. I, there were a couple that were really good, but there were a couple that were <laughs> really bad yeah but i've seen other what we're talking about like is right before worse. the uh super crack filled hookers <laughs> explode the explosion is a mannequin being exploded right. with oh. like firework like like um with flashes and that didn't happen in a human body but i've never taken super crack <laughs> so they have to freeze in a position and then a cut to no i guess it just cuts right into the explosion right. yeah uh it's so bad i was reading that the sag actresses that they'd originally got for hookers it's so um, bad would not agree to the nudity. And so he went and found, he went to his, like a strip club and found strippers to do it. Okay. Who then became SAG members after the, the oh, they got nice. the card on yes, this film. They did. I, see. Yeah, yeah. I would like to think some of them got a gigs after. Yeah, I, I, probably. Oh, that's awesome. So the movie that this reminded me the most of any film that we've done. <laughs> I, I, I want to know what this is. Crime Wave, Sam Raimi. Oh, yes. Good call. Good call. And yeah. this is... So much better than Crime Wave. This is better Wave. than Crime yeah. Wave, but some of the problems with Crime Wave, which are... are it really here, moves yeah. into, especially as the film goes, let me wink at you, audience, while we tell a really horrible joke. Yeah. There's one dialogue... Uh, I'm sorry, monologue, where he's alone... I think it's the lightning storm where he's bringing her to yeah. life and he's trying to find the pieces and pick out which leg and because yeah. he's got like a trash can filled with legs. He's trying to find the pair of legs mm-hmm. rather right. than... <laughs> when, where were those legs? He's talking to himself. And where were those legs? Why did I put like, this like? in here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the foot. <laughs> right. And then um, the the silver platter f- covered in breasts. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. all the breasts. <laughs> those were given away as, ca- as rat party gifts. <laughs> And he's like trying to find the. You're right. assaulting me, by the way. I just noticed you put. <laughs> yeah, Morrissey, you right behind you. Oh, I'm right. sorry. That's been up for weeks. Anyway, but Crime Wave and what I didn't like about it, I think, works for this movie. And what it is is, hey, you want to watch a bad movie that's yeah. really, really, really going to entertain us if we can get into the vibe of it. Yeah. I and I did alone last night. I texted Sean, have you ever seen this? He it's free on it's it, free yeah. on Tubi. Yeah. It's on Peacock. Turn it on right now. And I said, This is the movie we would have made if we kept making movies back in junior high. We would have gotten to <laughs> this had, point of If you had access to strip club workers who you could employ. Well that's to be and that's just film. budget. That's just yeah, budget. Right, and right. I, I am gonna look up the budget because wow. it's it, the, the <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this is ever the movie that I would have made. I don't I don't think I would ever be brave enough to make this movie. I said that in the first five minutes, David, when the during the birthday party and yeah. the remote controlled tiller runs <laughs> Don't stand right there. What? <laughs> you know, and then Yes, that well that's so bad. I understand that. But two point five million this budget. Wow! Wow! And, uh, That's more like, than I would have thought. Actually, that is more than I would have thought. And that is it's all lightning effects. Nineteen ninety-eight. I'm sorry, nineteen ninety dollars. Yes, yes. <laughs> lightning <laughs> effects. <laughs> this is funny to me that I I made quick reference earlier. Like I can't believe it's taken me this long in my life to see this movie. I had very similar experience to yours, Joe, with that with that VHS case. Such a funny like standout thing where you're at the video store and there's just happens to be this like really weird clunky case that has this very funny to see um and funny that at the time i mean 90 i was only about 12 so i wasn't bold enough to be saying hey dad can i rent frankenhooker at the 
<laughs> um, so, and, and by the time I got around to, you know, maybe being more in charge of my own rentals, I think Frankenhooker had slid off that new release shelf and was, you know, somewhere tucked back into the, you know, deep horror section. And I was maybe on to who knows what by then. I remembered seeing Basket Case at some point years ago. The budget of that, $25,000. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's one that you really need to see. Like, it, it, it's one of those where the scrape together what they put together for no money at all is really impressive kind of scenarios, big impact for, for little funds. Th- this one, it's surprising how expensive it was right. when you give it. But it actually, you know what? That said, it looks pretty good. It is well lit. You know, it was clearly shot on film. Yeah. It's got like a really nice look to it. I think you can see where the money went. I understand where you're saying that there's some aspects of the effects that you would want to see. But again, given the era, this is 1990. This is um, still very much the practical effects era. Mm-hmm. We didn't have CGI really become the dominant until later into the 90s. And it was really kind of like, you know, James Cameron and people like that kind of pushing it for even further forward. Terminator 2 was a big one, right? And that was about to come out like mm-hmm. a year or two after this. So for the time... Ten times the budget. This wasn't like right. so bad that it, it would have felt like a whole other thing. Now, it, I think it has a little bit more of a cheesiness to it even than it did then. But that said, I think really a lot of quality humor in here, dark and weird and somewhat twisted. And I do think there's that kind of openness to the prepubescent or pubescent boy kind of sense of sense of humor and mentality. But is it a film that we don't like along the lines of the conversation that I'm not a huge fan of of judging art from the, the 80s? Yeah. Porky's uh, 90s American Pie yeah. that was such a big hit and I really enjoyed. But now when I look at it, it's clearly has a misogynistic tone and veneer uh-huh. that I didn't, I wasn't even aware of back then. Uh-huh. This has that too. A little bit. But we're forgiving it because it's it's so obvious that that's what it's doing. It, it, it was doing it with a wink at the audience. We know this is what you want to see. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's fan service. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like the, the when that t- one prostitute leans into the window and drops her top, right? Just yeah. to say, I got all the parts you might want to need. It is so. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> uh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's Sweet, tender, uh, uh, just silly, just obvious. <laughs> hey, we haven't shown tits in the movie yet. Here, here are. Some. I think it's empowering. Okay. I- <laughs> No, I actually I think probably more than than you do that it is very it is there's a misogynistic bend to this of course I think there's I think it's in there but I think that it's doing more than just that and I th- and I think it's doing some weird stuff with the, like what's driving this is you know again I'm asking you guys what you think the uh, the is it Jeffrey what what's the Jeffrey Franken mm-hmm. is that yeah. What's driving him? Because he doesn't seem like a sex maniac. He doesn't seem like he's a nymphomaniac. Well, he like wasn't trying to get like a sex doll out of the thing. He wanted to. He wanted his wife back. Right. Wants his wife back, and but like recognizes but he's also trying to make the perfect. Woman. Well, that's what I was saying. His recognizes wife is perfection, fat, but she's not. Oh, well, that's that, I mean, true. The, I love the um, way that they fake fatness, the where they give her the padding. <laughs> 
<laughs> barely any padding. Yeah, exactly. It's like this weirdly like if it seems like they put like a cardboard box under her uh, parachute pants, so it like kind of it fluffs like out. It's stuffed with newspaper. Um, but yeah, really weird. And then later, you know, I, you actually see her real body when it's the cut up parts uh-huh. that are put together. The purple nipples. Yeah, <laughs> everything when it's reanimated that was red, like nipples, it has to be purple when mm-hmm. it comes back. That's, it's just it's how Franken works. It's okay, Franken. so at the end, let's get classic Frankenstein lore. Get it, getting to the end. Uh, the pimp, Greener purple. Greener the pimp purple. is now back at the house slash laboratory. <laughs> that pimp is wild. And what Franken doesn't know is mm. that the electricity that brought Lisa to life also brings back the cooler full of bits, mm-hmm. like legs and hands and arms. and That have reformed together are they reformed or, or is are the hands just holding things together well wasn't one of them was like an upside You're down right. torso With a mouth. that yeah. had a mouth where upside the down. vagina would be uh-huh. and then uh feet instead of arms that were like on right. the yes. floor so they, they must have in, <laughs> the electrical storm inside the estrogen juice that the body parts are stored it makes sense it checks out um, <laughs> it made me think of which is it was kind of odd i thought but there's a scene in toy story where all the, the, the d- deformed toys right. are coming after sid, well, sid and that is really what i thought yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. oh my gosh yeah, no, wow great. so you that, worked that's in a toy what, story reference <laughs> <laughs> chef's kiss tyler that's that's like beer in a movie uh hall of fame Re- weird like most child-friendly reference during a film that is so not child you know what frankenhooker reminded me of old yeller (laughs) (laughs) anyway so uh that's these body formed things take down the the pimp yeah how did it end it i don't remember it was late well (laughs) because he he is and he is put onto a woman's body right because whenever because it only works for females whenever whenever jennifer is whenever he explains to jennifer what he has done yeah she uses the same words against him. Yeah, I really liked that. To show him uh-huh. what she has done uh, while he was knocked unconscious right. or whatever. And that is put his head on a reformed female body. And the dialogue is just incredible. The hour and a half led to that one punchline, <laughs> it felt like. And then yeah. the end. Yeah. But a great punchline. No, it was. Like, I really liked like it. A, a really I honestly think that movie sticks the landing better than Lisa Frankenstein does. I, I felt like it was more of a punch at the end than Lisa Frankenstein. Yeah. I feel I'll like we were that. seeing a guy's head through a, a, ca- a piece of plywood and then a <laughs> yes, rubber body yeah, exactly. underneath it. But okay, look. Hey. But, uh, there's, there's, so, there's, I, uh, who, who, what, are, <laughs> what are these boobs? Who gave me these boobs? <laughs> it is so stupid. <laughs> Joe, that was like the, the A plus delivery. I, I, mean, I think, yeah. I'm sorry. Was that a little too animated? Well, I just, you know, I think you and James Lorenz neck and neck. But he, he, you could have taken the part. No, I, I enjoyed this experience very, very much. Yeah. But I'm. Uh, what have we done? Reanimator on the show. Yeah, That's yeah. another like over the top silly Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, Evil Dead though just has a cinematic quality to it that this does not. I, I agree to an extent. There is this Sam, is a trauma production. Clearly, yeah. If we didn't mention yeah. this is a trauma production, so it's low budget schlock. You know, nineties Roger Corman. If Roger Corman was doing the, you know, uh, the, Lloyd Kaufman in this case, yeah, understood. Like, but I'm trying to yeah. say like just exploitative yeah. in order to try to sell tickets or videos mm-hmm. or whatever. 
And uh, this one over time has really developed a cult classic for reasons that I think all three of us can agree on. This would be a hilarious party movie only to get the what the fuck? Yeah, what are we yeah. watching? This is Frankenhooker 1990. Um, <laughs> if you'll if you wait one second, you'll see this the caliper a, measuring this scene. This would be a fun one to do, like a beer in a movie screening at Alamo or something. Oh, you know, if like, this is ever at Alamo, I'd definitely be because I mean, could you imagine just the, seeing this with a crowd would be hilarious. I Agreed. think there would be so many great laughs and there and people who hadn't seen it before would be you know what yeah yeah no spoilers just watch it it's on tubi like i said that's free with ads and if you have peacock or peacock premium it's there or the criterion channel oh of course (laughs) sorry which is what i watched it from so that i could feel that like prestige i put put in my vhs after i said want a date (laughs) (laughs) that's really i wanted a date uh on the criterion i'd go kurosawa and then this yeah i'm saying that's just a nice little that's right so I feel like, you know, it's a mirror universe, if you will. I don't know what we're holding a mirror up to. It's, I but. mean, well, the, the, hey, it's distorting a lot of the uh, the things that actually do exist in our society, right? It's not like it was making up misogyny and, uh, sure. w- you know, the micromanaging of women's bodies. And, and, and there is some commentary on, on, the, on the crack the, the crack yeah, the epidemic, epidemic of the 80s. You can see yeah. that they tried. There was a brush of, let's make this elevate this a little yeah. bit. Yeah, or New York, late 80s New York alleyways. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah the tail that. end of that, like, dangerous 70s, right. 80s yeah. New York era, yeah. Okay, well, what did you guys think of this Mirror Universe? Uh, I didn't. I failed to mention earlier, David, that Fair State joins the Five Timers Club today. Congratulations, wow. guys. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Fair State out of Minneapolis. Minnesota. Minnesota. I had breakfast a lot earlier, so these are uh, working. These are working. It's only seven here, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not out of control. What'd you guys think, Uh, Tyler? You're you're our IPA guy. Uh, I really like this. Kind of it's a more floral tasting uh, IPA than Mm -hmm. I think. I agree. It's not. It's not as citrusy. Like when with a lot of hazies, they go citrus forward, so it's juicy. This doesn't taste like a juicy, mm-hmm. hazy ice. And heavy. they're not calling it juicy, but it's it does. It has more of a floral kind of hot presence, a uh, m- little more bitterness in there than I typically associate with hazies. Mm-hmm. Interesting companion to the Bob's Fine Pilsner. I actually think there's some overlap there yeah, in the bitterness, how they work. They kind of work all nice back out, to back. All planned out. <laughs> That's what you this come is, to beer in a movie for. That's right. Well, that's it. I mean, you do this thing for six years, and mm-hmm. you're going to get like little, at least... A broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing. Intuition, (laughs) just by looking at two cans, that there will be some kind of overlap. No, I I like this very much. This is one that I'd look for on tap. Maybe it's around town on tap. A lot of times, David, we'll do a beer on the show. Yeah. And then I'll get over to Tapology every other week uh, for some comedy. Comedy Lab, yeah. And Tapology, if you're not from Corpus Christi, is one of, it it might be my favorite beer place because it's got the rundown dive vibe as opposed to some (laughs) of the other ones that have a nice selection. Sure, sure. There's always 40 authentic craft beers on tap is usually the best tap list in town mm-hmm. if this is on tap at tapology oh yeah sure or or bluffalo wild wings one of the many fine establishments yeah. to sell beer i would definitely get one on draft yeah this is good this is great i mean this is one of those uh for me a full success episode i know you had some qualifications at least on some of your movie feels that's this true time, yeah. tyler when we ask folks to do this with us they have to watch two movies that's mm-hmm. the homework it wasn't a complete waste of time no i watched Frankenhooker the day before yesterday and then in the morning i went and saw lisa frankenstein so seeing them that that close together was actually really 
fun way to have oh, experienced either one. Yeah. Cool. Well, you'll, I hope you'll stick around for after hours. Yes, please. That's great because things are going to continue there because the best thing about beer in a movie is that the conversation does not end here. You mm-hmm. can find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're all all over the place. Of course, our own website, beerinamoviepodcast.com. You can go there for some nice curated lists of our episodes as well as a link to our T Public store where you can find some merch if you would like. Um, and you could join our chat on Discord if you'd like an invite. Just ask. Uh, under the name Beer in a Movie, the conversation continues. We've also mentioned already that we're extending it on our After Hours episode. It's a bonus episode. It's to our Patreon subscribers only. So please sign up for that over at patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast. We know you're probably listening on your favorite podcast platform. So if you could, before you leave, why don't you leave a rating, uh, rate us highly. We, we really appreciate that uh, so that the algorithm can do what it do and put us out there for more listeners. You've just experienced another, and this I say with all sincerity, another Frankenstein-themed mm-hmm. episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time. Want a date? <laughs>